Blog Talk Radio. Welcome one and all to the first ever edition of the new segment of the official Redbird Rants podcast. This is Extra Innings, and I'm your host, Tito Rivera, and I am joined by my co-editor, Dr. Michael Miles. Dr. Miles, how are you tonight? Man, I am doing really well. I'm out at some soccer fields watching my son practice soccer. It is a beautiful 73 degrees as the sun is going down, so I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Awesome. I wish I could say the same in Kansas City where it's a nice uh, 50. Um, so, but we're also joined by our, one of our contributors, Gene Bonds, or you may know him as CrashSTL on Twitter. Gene, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Hey, Gene, we've got a special guest tonight. I'm going to kick it over to you so you can introduce him. Take it away. Sounds good. Um, I guess tonight... Um, our special edition of Extra Innings on Redbird Grants. Our first official guest is Post-Dispatch columnist Benjamin Hockman. You could also catch him on his own podcast, Hosted Ravioli. And you could also catch him with uh, Chris Dedman and Travis Terrell on We Are Live. Welcome to the show, Benjamin. Thank you for joining us. It's an honor. How are you doing? And we're doing good. We're, we're very honored and grateful for you to take some time out to join us tonight to talk about some Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, I've got I got them on right now. Actually, watching the Cardinals in Montreal, it's bringing back uh, 1990s memories. Watching uh, <laughs> watching the baseball in that weird stadium. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, well, thanks again, Ben, for joining us, and, and for everybody uh, listening in right now. Um, <clears throat> thank you for listening to us. We appreciate you going to our website at redriverbrands.com as well. So, Ben, we're going to kick it off, and we've got some questions for you. And one of the first questions I think we all want to know is, is what's it like covering the St. Louis Cardinals on a day-to-day basis? My goodness. Um, it's, you know, they say it's the big leagues uh, covering pro sports. Well, covering a franchise at this caliber of this caliber is the big leagues of the big leagues. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I came home to St. Louis uh, to cover baseball. I was in Denver uh, where they have all four professional sports teams. Uh, but when uh, one of my mentors, one of my idols, Bernie Miklas, uh, left to go to radio and the and the opportunity was there at the Post-Dispatch, I was like, man, to cover baseball in a baseball town, in my town, my hometown, I mean, it was a no-brainer. Um, and some of some of the people on Twitter might say, I have no brain, so there, there's a fit right there. <laughs> I had that same problem, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um, I, if I could just jump in real quick, I don't mean to cut you off. You kind of that was one of my questions about um, Ben Burr and St. Louis. Uh, one of my questions is going to be: Can you kind of compare what it's like covering Colorado sports compared to St. Louis? And I, I'm asking that mainly because St. Louis has the label as be the best fans in baseball. Outside of St. Louis, it, do we really have that kind of reputation? And just kind of share what what it's like the difference between Colorado and St. Louis, please. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely uh, 
in, there are similar there are similar fans in Colorado. There's just not as many uh, passionate, smart thinking baseball fans uh, in the Denver area and that follow the Rockies. And it makes sense. I mean, uh, I mean, they didn't have a team until 1993, so uh, generations of people didn't grow up with baseball. You could argue that in Denver, uh, the Broncos are like the Cardinals in St. Louis. Uh, with the passion and the history and all that. Um, the, 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 I think the fans in, in Denver, uh, they kind of look at, at, at people in St. Louis, uh, my, 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 which means my friends and my family, as like, like there's a, like a fine line between like passionate and obnoxious. And I guess it just depends on which side we're teetering on, depending on the day and depending on who Matheny Put, put in the game in the eighth inning. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's, but uh, there's definite, I mean, there's definite, I guess, envy, if you will. I mean, understandably so. I mean, St. Louis, I mean, I mean obviously we're, we're, we're frustrated in this town the team hasn't made the playoffs in the past two seasons. But if you pull back, step back, it's like, okay, here is a gorgeous stadium, a team with numerous Hall of Famers, a team with its own Hall of Fame uh, with fantastic history uh, guys in that regard and a winning product for um, more seasons than not in this century. All right. Hey, uh, yeah. Hey Ben, this is Dr. Dr. Miles here. I, I I had the pleasure of listening to you on a couple of podcasts. Uh, So glad you're on ours now uh, for, for at least this visit. Can you talk to us? What is it like working with other people in the industry and, and even specifically on the podcasting. So like Mr. Gould and, and your other friend, uh, uh, Ben Fredrickson, anybody of that nature, what is that like um, now that you are quote unquote in the big leagues? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, and nice to hear your voice doc and hope the soccer game's going well. Um, I'll, and, and I'm jealous of the 72 or whatever. I'm here in St. Louis and it's rainy and dark. Uh, yeah, honestly, I, I, so I went to a, um, it was a, it was a birthday celebration, if you will, for the late Bob Bregg. Uh, he would have been uh, 100, uh, this, this month. So, uh, the, the folks from the Sabre group in St. Louis and the Cardinals hall of fame threw a party and I went down there and they, we all sang happy birthday and I gave a little speech and, and what I talked about in the speech and I'd love to share here is just the idea of like, there is so much pride that comes with covering the St. Louis Cardinals for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And in a way, it's almost like an heirloom that's passed down, that's been passed down from Bob Bregg to Rick Hummel. And obviously uh, other people have, have been passed down this knowledge and this passion. Uh, of course, Derek Gould now is, is the lead baseball writer, and, and, and he is wildly passionate about his coverage and about the team. And, uh, and then, of course, now there's younger guys like Ben Fredrickson. So, it, I mean, it is, like, without sounding – I mean, at the end of the day, we're just writing about sports. We're not, you know, saving the world. But, like, there is a lot of seriousness and a lot of honor that goes into uh, being the middleman between the fans and the team and covering the team on a daily basis. So those podcasts are a bunch of fun. And with me, like, you know, as a columnist, uh, I, I try to – Splash my personality uh, into whatever I write, whether that's having some fun or maybe telling a, a human interest story or writing something very passionate and pointed about my anger about the team. Uh, I, I try to mix it up uh, every week, uh, even, even every day. 
Awesome. This, your hey, this your is personality Tito definitely does come yeah. out in your writing. Yeah, oh, I would agree with that as well. I, I, I love reading your articles on the Post-Dispatch. But, uh, hey, I, I wanted to ask you a question about your, you said your mentor and idol, uh, Bernie Miklas. What's it like working with him? Because for the longest time growing up, for myself, it, it was reading Rick Hummel, it was reading Bernie, and, and you know they are they are like my gold standard as well. Uh, what's it, what was it like working with them? Well, that's the thing is I never actually got to work with Bernie. Since okay. I, I I replaced him, but I'll tell you, I developed a, a relationship with him uh, uh, as kind of uh, almost. I don't want to make it sound like like I was going to his house for five hours a day and we're just talking writing all day or anything like that. But but what it was was when I was in high school and really trying to figure out like is sports journalism something I could truly do, uh, I decided to reach out to the best in my city, and that was Bernie, no question. And uh, it was a fun time. It was kind of like a Wild West time, if you will, with, with the Internet. And, uh, you know, America Online was new, and we're all kind of just figuring out, like, what this Internet thing is. And uh, for, for, for context, I graduated high school in 1998, so I'm 37 now. So this we're talking, like, 94, 95. And um, I remember, like, I don't know why he did it or how he did it, or, but I remember, like, he printed his – AOL email address, I think, in the newspaper. And I was like, well, I've got this AOL thing, so that means I can, you know, I can connect with them. So I literally, like, similarly to, like, a fan, you know, tr- uh, calmly, nervously approaching Ozzie Smith for an autograph, I, like, nervously wrote this email on AOL from from my thing to his, and uh, we, we connected, and you know, every once in a while, I would send them questions about journalism, and I remember uh, Sports Plus with Frank Cusimano and Mike Bush and those guys. Mm-hmm. One time, they had Bernie on as a, as a guest, and there was like this: uh, you could go and sit in the live studio audience. Like at that point, like my dad could have said, like, "All right, we're, we have two choices: we can go to see um, Frank Cusimano, Bernie Miklas, and Charlie Tuna at the uh, Channel Five live broadcast, or." You can go see um, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and it'll have Kathy Ireland and and uh, <laughs> whatever Tom Cruise and your favorite actor. I'm like, you know what? I got I got to get to that Sports Plus. And uh, I'm with I, you. I would pick Sports Plus too. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good choice. And you know, just it was just really neat. Like, wow, there's. There he is in the flesh, you know, and uh, I remember asking a question then. And again, so I don't want to make it sound like, like I was like at his, or whatever the phrase is, you know, like a protege and all that, but I, I definitely read his stuff all the time and would pick his brain on occasion at a very impressionable time uh, in my life. Awesome, thanks. So, uh, uh, guys, I think now's the time to transition into – the real business of tonight's podcast that is the St. Louis Cardinals obviously yeah. and 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 let's let's go ahead and start off with one of the one of the th- big topics right now and that's Jordan Hicks um seemingly out of nowhere Jordan <laughs> Hicks all of a sudden is set to make the opening day roster uh, Ben can you give us a little insight on what's going on right now I mean, I, I, I think it's just uh, three digits, I need to say, one, zero, two. 
We're talking about a human being who throws a 102-mile-per-hour fastball on occasion, and that can be a game-changer, uh, you know, I guess both uh, metaphorically and then literally. It literally can, can change a, a baseball game, and and you, you can't teach 102, and he's got it on occasion. And, you know, they, they went through the due diligence of – of kind of punishing him a little bit for being tardy to meetings and whatever it was and, and letting him know he's just not going to get away with things. But, gosh, they, they were always fascinated by his stuff and who wouldn't be. And I was down there for a few weeks in the early part of camp, and, yeah, you watch that thing fly out of his hands. I remember talking to batters uh, about it, and, and, and big league hitters were like, that's big league stuff. And at that point, you know, you don't – if, if a big league hitter says that's big league stuff, I mean, that's what it is, regardless of the the age of the player or, or what have you. And that's the reality. And Jordan Hicks, um, maybe he should change his name to Jordan Hoosiers uh, if he's coming to St. Louis, um, <laughs> yeah. will, uh, is, is on the team. I was sad because my favorite personality in the uh, clubhouse, John Brebbia, has now been uh, sent down to AAA because of this Hicks ascension, but I'm sure we'll see uh, the Brebs at some point this season as well. Awesome. So I so I think the the obvious follow up question here is who's the closer? Is it Dominic Leone? Is it Jordan Hicks? Or is it still closer by committee at this point? Yeah, I mean i i, I don't I don't know. I mean, it would just be like a fun guess at this point because they're they're not going to just say uh, insert name here is the St. Louis Cardinals closer. I, I do think uh, that Alex Reyes will get uh, the opportunity to uh, to be the closer uh, in May, in June, and I think we'll, they'll utilize him uh, in that role at some point. But we got to get to that month first, you know. Uh, we got a bunch of ball games in April, and you know I, I think Dom Leone, who uh, was a pretty good pitcher uh, last year for the uh, the Blue Jays, um, the, the Toronto Cardinals, and the St. Louis Blue Jays. Since, uh, basically, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's incredible the connections that these uh, these teams have. Um, but yeah, uh, if we can only get Josh Donaldson. Oh, I know. Yeah, that was the thing. I did I did a story for the Post Dispatch website about like all the, the the list of players who have been on the both the Blue Jays and the Cardinals, and it's a it's a stunning and staggering list. Uh, you know, from every generation, from a Todd Stottlemyre and a Pat Borders, Pat Hankin, uh, obviously the third baseman. Uh, with the Roland deal and, and and Colby, and then all the way up to uh, to who we got today with Led Mastrichik and Sung Wano, and of course Eugene Koo, the best translator in baseball, <laughs> is now with, with the Blue Jays. Um, but yeah, someone said like, hopefully one day we can add Josh Donaldson to that list, uh, which would be a lot of fun. Awesome, and and, and I just want to ask one more follow up question with the Jordan Hicks, you know. Ascension, essentially. Um, as I said earlier, it feels very out of nowhere. Was this the plan the entire time, or do you think this is something when they saw him pitch the other day in spring training down in Florida, they said, you know what, he's got to be on the team? Yeah, I, I can't speak for sure on that since I have not been down there, so I apologize okay. for not having the, the inside access there, but from what I read from my, my uh, coworkers at the Post-Dispatch, that performance against Washington was 
a performance that, that changed the course of, uh, of history, if you will, uh, for this season. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. I so, agree. yeah. And I think, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where and how the Cardinals use him. Cause as yeah. you know, Ben has said, it is game changing stuff. And I think what is interesting about this entire process or closer by committee is the front office's approach at the beginning of the off season saying, you know what, we're going after a, a closer and that's going to come out. That's going to come from outside the organization. And now all of a sudden it's come full circle to, no, I think it might actually come from inside the organization. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on that? Or can you kind of sure. explain why that might be the case? Well, I mean, the idea was, did they or could they identify the guy or guys that they needed to bolster their bullpen um, in the offseason? And, of course, there were some players that, that we in the media and in the fan base saw as, as perfect fits. And I think Brandon Mora was the, was the guy I, I really liked. Um, but, of course, I mean, money talks and, you know, the the Cardinals, the Cubs are now the Cardinals, and the Cardinals are the Cubs. You know, I mean, I mean, it, he he looked to go to a, a winning team, and and th- and that's where Moro went. And uh, we could talk about Ass and Reed all day, and, and clearly the Cardinals did their due diligence on that, but for whatever reason they didn't want him. And then you look at Greg Holland, which was pun intended the, the biggest curveball of, of of the off season. The idea that the guy with all these saves, uh, they're just sitting out there. You know, he's is waiting to, to save games for a major league baseball team, yet for whatever reason teams aren't going after him. I think you could look at him and, and say, and I know, you know, people within the organization will, will probably point out, or uh, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people like, all right, he had a great season, but how many months of those were great? And uh, when he was bad, he was awful. And uh, that's, that's a weird trajectory. Uh, do you want to pay that much for, for a closer? And so when they got, when they identified Luke Gregerson and they said, this is a guy uh, that we think can, can help us this coming season, uh, at, whether it's as a closer or as a key reliever, of course he's banged up. And uh, yeah, so it's just weird because I think we, we have been programmed to think like every team has, certain things like every team has a closer every team has five starting pitchers every team has a fourth outfielder if you will but the way that the game is going and what we're clearly seeing with the cardinals is there's a lot of hybrid to it and uh and and at the end of the day the cardinals didn't go out and splurge on these free agent pitchers be it starters or relievers because they felt they had similar talent for way less the price in their own system yeah, and I think you can't you can't understate the money aspect when it comes to Greg Holland, in my opinion, at least. Um, yeah. You know, the reports suggesting he wants a three-year deal, you know, forty-two million, somewhere around there. Uh, that's that's just obviously too much money. I don't think the Cardinals were going to go do that if they're not going to go after uh, Wade Davis and pay him 17 million. What makes me think the Cardinals would actually go after Greg Holland? Sure. The interest is there, but it it just didn't seem that way. Uh, What about Alex Colome though? We, we heard all the rumors, you know, there was that whole issue with him following, you know, sites on Instagram. Uh, Was that ever a serious thing or is that just something that was kind of, eh, 
maybe, but no thanks. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was serious. Like they started to stitch his name on the on the back of a of a jersey or what have you. Uh, but I mean, you know, they did their due diligence, of course, and and that was really exciting at the time because Longoria was still with that team, and sure. uh, and and I, I say exciting like the whole world wants Longoria. I at least thought <laughs> he was a, fa- a fascinating uh, player. But yeah, of course, Colomay was the. Uh, was was a target there? Well, really, Archer would be the the best guy to get out of there, but right. uh, they didn't get that. But um, yeah, no, I I don't think that was like gonna happen. Like it was it was on the cusp, but it was clearly something they looked into. And yeah, that was. I mean, in our world, like we go with what we've got, right? And and what we what we can control, what we can see is Instagram and and Twitter. And when a ball player does something on there, that's that that stands out because that that's our world now. And last year when, when Yadier posted his picture of Okendo or posted his thing about resting and, and Matheny and we saw which players liked it on Instagram, like mm-hmm. that, you know, some people might dismiss that as, as nothing, but in our world, in our social media world, that, that definitely is something to talk about as Bonnie Ray was saying. I'd like yeah. to kind of jump on that about the, the Carson Kelly thing. Do you see him, as an option in the future, or do you see him as trade bait? I that's a great question. I I don't know because they made Carson Kelly right. They took this this guy from another position and Frankensteined him into oh, yeah. Yadier's air. I mean, it, they sent I mean, him hard. Yeah, <laughs> he he he's their um, you know he he is their guy, and they earmarked so. Look, I mean, the minute, the minute I remember just sitting there at Yadier's press conference last year, I guess it was April of last year, and everybody's smiling and we're all happy, and Yadier's staying for three more years, and and like it was at that point, it was like Carson Kelly, you know, didn't exist, and I'm like, guys, what about Carson Kelly? And here we are. You're well, obviously stuff happened during that last year. Now here we are this year. Like he's back in AAA after Mozeliak himself had said. There's nothing left for Carson to prove at the AAA level. Now, Carson did do pretty poorly offensively uh, in this past season. But, yeah, uh, I'm not afraid to trade him uh, if there's a player that can help the team today, if only because of uh, Andrew Kneiser, who uh, I I believe I'm pronouncing that correct, or maybe incorrectly, regardless. You know who I'm talking about, (laughs) the the catcher (laughs) from North Carolina State, uh, who had a pretty good spring and and is is a very fine uh, young ball player as well. So I'm not afraid to trade Carson Kelly, but gosh, I mean, to I mean, it's almost like like a relationship in a way. Like they've they started dating and they've they've grown together and they've gone through tough times. And man, you want to really see this thing through uh, with with Carson. Yeah, you know, and, and about, I kind of want to jump on this one too. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Tito. Oh, I, I was just going to uh, ask you then and kind of comment if if the idea is to get him at bats which i i don't mind um why bring him up last year though i mean what it, why have this carousel with him if the idea is to continue to get him at bats you saw and you mentioned this you know he didn't do very well last year um and it was yeah. very obvious that he needed playing time but why continue this carousel if you're going to go back and say, oh, well, he just needs more at-bats? 
No, you're 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 absolutely right. You you make a very good point, and it's almost like they're they're trying two different strategies with the same player. And uh, right. my guess is also, I mean, they Carson came to camp, and they were expecting a particular type of production out of who they thought was going to be their their big league backup, and and they weren't seeing it out of that human being. So I think. You know, we could talk all, all we want about the strategy from last year. Last year at the time, they thought he was ready to go. And, uh, yeah, he, he struggled sparingly for St. Louis, but they still felt defensively uh, he he was a guy that could fit in around there, when, you know, fill in and fit in. Uh, but, yeah, this, this spring was a surprise to them. And, uh, and then you got Pena in there, and, and, and you know, he's sturdy and, and a fantastic defensive player, and, and, and they're going to let Carson try to – Find Carson again. I I think they I think Carson Kelly would have stuck around a little bit longer if if they were a little bit more happy with his defense. I think they would have sacrificed some offense, but I I don't know if it's a concentration issue or whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think Kelly would still be here if his defense was on par. It just wasn't during yeah. spring. Yeah, yeah, and then Payne, they've been so happy with Pena, so they're like, all right, let let. I mean, again, we can't stress enough. The Carson Kelly didn't play catcher in eighth grade and ninth grade. He did. He didn't get those those reps behind the plate. And I'm not trying to make an excuse for him. I'm just simply pointing out the the fact that I mean, part of the minor leagues for any player, uh, and part of growing up is just to get those at bats, get those reps. Uh, so when they so they're I guess uh, programmed, if you will, uh, to handle the grind that is the major leagues. You know, uh, Dr. Miles here, um, one of the things that, that I cover for us at Redbird Rants is the, the Memphis team, and you know, that's yeah. where I live, and I love the Memphis Redbirds. But, uh, Mr. Hogman, can you talk to us? And, by the way, you and I graduated high school the same year. So when I think back oh, cool. to the Cardinals of the past, I think back to Bush too and the AstroTurf and all that good old stuff and Ozzy's backflips and all that good good time. So, uh, it's nice to be in company with another class of 98, uh, albeit I yeah. was in Arkansas and you, you were not. That being said, <laughs> what can you talk to, talk to us a little about the farm system and, and toss out a couple of names that stand out to you as people, uh, people who we should watch and, and keep an eye on as they make their progressions upward. Sure, sure. And uh, it's funny, I think that someone my age is a doctor, and I think about what my buddies are doing, uh, dotting, sitting on the dotting on a bar stool across St. Louis. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the minor leagues. And, of course, some of these names I'll throw out, you, you saw glimpses of uh, last season. Uh, but, I mean, to me, uh, Adolis Garcia uh, is one of the most exciting players uh, in the organization. We're talking about a guy who uh, has, has fleet feet and uh, definitely has a presence in the batter's box. And I'm pretty sure we'll see him at some point this year. And then the, the guy that was I was most disappointed uh, about, if you will, in spring training because of his, his two injuries was Tyler O'Neill, uh, who you saw uh, in Memphis uh, for a couple months there uh, down the stretch. And uh, Tyler O'Neill is fascinating if only because – uh, he doesn't look like a human being. Uh, you know, there's, <laughs> there's all of us human beings you, who look yeah, human. I'm not kidding. Yeah, and then there's Tyler O'Neill who looks like uh, the Incredible Hulk. 
and uh, it, it's it's fascinating. And like you know, I I, I always like I, I kind of laugh like gosh, like because I wrote a big piece about him from spring training, and he, he's talking about his weightlifting, and I'm like, am I going to end up like those? 1990 whatever journalists that wrote the McGuire stories and wrote those stories about the guys who just worked out so hard and that's why they were so strong. Am I going to look foolish like that uh, with with my article about Tyler O'Neill? I hope not. But he seems like a good dude, and um, and the fact is, I was hoping to see him mash a little this spring, uh, but those injuries kind of held him back and. I guess the, the the benefit for you, Doc, is you'll get to uh, see him mash some, uh, break some windows uh, at AutoZone. Yeah, and I'll be happy if he does break some of those YMCA windows that are out uh, in uh, left center. Uh, thank you for for that. On the, you know, one of the things that I've written about in the past is just how great that coaching staff is in Memphis. And yeah. how impactful impactful they are on the young uprising studs. And one of those, uh, one of my favorites of late has been Jose Martinez. And speaking of Jose and his being able to hang around with the Cardinals, what's your take on the designated hitter in the National League? Oh wow, that's a nice nice little. Uh, I, I was with you on your pitch tunnel. And then uh, right there at the end, you got me with that uh, with that breaking ball with the uh, DH question there. Well done. Um, gosh, um, I I I hate watching pitchers bat, but I love the strategy that it leads to. So I don't know if I I guess I am talking out of both sides of my mouth, uh, but I think regardless of what little old Benjamin Hockman thinks, I think. The commissioner and the, and, the, and the folks in New York will will soon decide that uh, baseball needs more offense. Uh, even though it got suddenly uh, turned into a home run derby sport, or at least a three true outcome sport, um, and uh, and they'll probably add that ninth uh, actual hitter to the National League at some point, uh, which would surely help the St. Louis Cardinals this year. Uh, in reference to your friend Jose Martinez, is one of my favorite stories. Uh, in baseball, if you will. I mean, we're talking about a guy who spent essentially a decade of his life uh, chasing a dream. And every year, I mean, can you imagine, it's, it's almost like, like like Truman Show or Groundhog Day, where it's like, here here I go again, like AAA baseball, AAA baseball. And I'm hitting the ball well. I'm hitting 385 for the Omaha team uh, or whatever the team is in Kansas City's organization and uh, I'm still not in the major leagues what do I have to do um, what if I hit a thousand then would I be up there I mean he, he's like what do I have to do and to see him uh, at this age make the big leagues last year and then just turn into this confident uh, powerful line drive hitter uh, it, it really has been a special thing he's a good dude uh, I love talking to Jose Martinez. He's funny, and he, he just cares, and he, he's 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 in there. He's, not, he's he, he you know you talk about like guys and their personality in baseball, and you know there's there's something to be said about like a minor leaguer, you know, kind of speaks when spoken to and all that, and the big leaguer, you know, kind of carries himself differently. Well, man, once Jose Martinez uh, became a big leaguer, this 
personality just blossomed, and it's it's just a lot of fun to watch. He he really is a good teammate, and uh, and he fits in fine with his team. The question is, how many at bats will he get with this team in the National League? And, and that's something I actually want to you know go over a little bit is how to get his bat into the lineup, and and I think we've we've seen it a couple times in these spring training games with it with Mike Matheny's lineup and putting him at first and Carpenter at third. Is it worth, in your opinion, is it worth going with that lineup? Because I feel he is a much more accomplished hitter than Jed Jerko, and I'm okay with Carpenter sliding over to third base. And I understand everybody's all up in arms about his defense, but I am willing to look past that defense at times to keep the hottest bat in the lineup. And I personally think there's no question that he has the hottest bat in the lineup at this point. Yeah, and, and, and we, we've seen Matheny in the past do everything as drastic as wedge Matt Adams in left field just to get <laughs> a hitter or a hot bat some at-bat. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think he would be afraid to put Matt Carpenter at, at third just to get Jose in there. But, I mean, I, I think we have to look at Jed Jerko, though, who uh, started off extremely strong last year, proved that, uh, that you know, I don't want to call him – Mr. April, but you know he was Mr. April last year, and uh, and uh, why not see if if that if that trend uh, continues here in 2018? But you're absolutely, I mean, it comes down to you're absolutely right. Like there's there's going to be a, a good masher on the bench for St. Louis seemingly every game, and uh, and that's a good problem to have. But it's also, I mean, it comes down to managing. I mean, we talk about like what, what is the role of a manager and how much weight does a manager have on a team? Well, the actual word of his job, the managing of a roster and, and the playing time and all that is, is imperative because you have to be able to read and see when a player needs more at-bats, even though he's struggling, or if a guy is doing well, but he can be content uh, coming off the bench, and, and that's a lot of stuff that that we can look at. We can look at the advanced stats all day, and, and we do, and we learn a lot from learn from those. Uh, but we don't have necessarily all all of the information that Matheny and Mabry and the fellows have. Right, and, and there's another follow up to this would be what happens in the situation if Matheny decides to platoon Jed Jerko and Colton Wong? Is that something that's you know, realistic, or is that just like, mm, maybe, but not really? I mean, any anything is realistic in the course of 162 games, and we have sure. no idea who's going to get hurt and who's going who's gonna to be Gritchick from last year and who's going to be Tommy Pham from last year, you know? who who Who's the guy that we are banking on to be a key contributor and won't be, and who's the guy that's going to surprise the heck out of us and, and be an all-star caliber player. Um, funny enough, I, I think Colton Wong is the guy that's going to have a, a breakout season. I, I'm, I'm high on him. Uh, I, I love his energy, uh, his glove, and, 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 of course, his on-base percentage from last year uh, stepped up. So, yeah, I, I, it's hard to answer, like, the specific questions uh, in that regard since the season hasn't started, but I don't think they're afraid to try anything if it means helping the team win a ball game. Sure. Hey Benjamin, sure. a real quick question about Wong. We we talked about him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, 
I said, I basically said, I, I believe he has the ability, the physical ability to be a leadoff man. It's just the mentality. Um, have you had a chance to speak with him? Do you know where his head's at? Do you feel that he's a confident player now? Because in, in my opinion, I think it's time he's got to step up and do something. I think last year he was on track to do that, but injuries got in the way. Where do you where do you mm-hmm. stand with Wong? Is he is he ready to take that next step? Yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, I've had enough conversations with him. Yeah, I mean, we, we, he is a very emotional human being, and that is not necessarily a bad thing um, if, if harnessed correctly. And uh, when, when, he is, when he is playing baseball at a conf, confident level and, of course, a healthy level, we're seeing a, I don't want to say all-star caliber second baseman, we're seeing a, a, a you know, a, above average, second baseman and last year we saw it for many of those games and and um, so yeah I, I don't I don't know if he's lead off for St. Louis if only because you want to see this Dexter thing through and Dexter I mean if you you know we, we've all looked at the numbers if you take out um, maybe the first however many games of last year his numbers were pretty good last year or if you or if you even just look at him in whole uh, he had some more uh, slugging production than in previous years so even in a quote off year for Dexter he still produced to a degree and now this year he's rejuvenated and ready to go so I, I don't know if Colton's going to sneak up in that one spot anytime soon but I mean I'd love I, I would love to have the Colton Wong of last year this year batting ace oh my goodness yeah I agree I, I, I'm talking about just like his skill set I think his physical ability he could do it but like, like you I'm, I'm fine with him batting ace if he's comfortable down there and he's doing what he's doing so be it. That's yeah. fine. And just ability-wise and skill set, I think he could be a leadoff man. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, um, uh, ben, I, I, oh, go ahead, Doctor. I'm Mons. sorry. Go. Oh no. Yeah. Crash. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, we were kind of talking about mashers. I just wanted to squeeze this in real quick. I'm a huge Marcelo Suna fan already. Just his personality right. and and what he did last year and what he can possibly do this year. We know that Mo is going after big bats. Do you believe that he's a big enough bat for this offense? I think so. I mean, I mean, I, if he gave you this year what he gave Miami last year, you'd sure as heck take it, right? So, oh, absolutely. Wanna, yeah. So you want to think that? I, I, no, those numbers were astounding, and you, you, you know, you, you those numbers are the the Playboy centerfold equivalent of, of statistics. If you if you look at what Ozuna did uh, last season, so I don't know if he'll be able to duplicate it, but gosh, we we've seen so many uh, extra base hits uh, in spring already. Uh, once he's got his, his swing down, and of course he provides this energy. I I think I'm good with it. Uh, I, I'm excited about it. I, I think that it was it was the right move. You know, a lot of people and a lot of smart baseball people would have said, nah, they should have gone with Yelich. She's got more of an upside. Uh, he's more of a complete player, or at least will be at some point, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I'm excited. I was about one of the few that wasn't on the Yelich train. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the I, I like the big bear, as they call them, and uh, – you know, it, it's also been really fun uh, being in the clubhouse and watching him interact with Yadier and, of course, his good friend Carlos Martinez, who he hung out with and hangs out with even before the two became Cardinals teammates. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely a big, large personality to, to, uh, to match his, uh, his physical presence. And uh, the one thing that we don't know about him is, 
is uh, from the standpoint of, of winning ball games, is he a winning player? He uh, can he is he excited and ready to be a part of this? And you'd have to think after all those years of Miami that that he's hungry to do more mm-hmm. than just put up numbers for a losing team. I agree. And I think and I think evidence of what he means to the St. Louis Cardinals you could see last night in the game against the Blue Jays. You know, it's at a fifth inning in a zero zero game and in and he steps and cranks one out to left center. Yeah. And, and last year there is there wasn't really anybody on the Cardinals that you could confidently say, Okay, it's gonna be a home run. I mean you haven't seen that since Albert Pools and in comes Marcelo Zuna from Miami, and I, I legitimately think that at any given point in his at-bat, he is going to crank one out because he is that prolific of a hitter. And the Cardinals right, have right. not had that in a long time. Well, I yeah. shouldn't say a long time, at least a year because Halliday. But it, it's been a while since the, since the Cardinals had a kind of thumper like that that you, you kind of stop and the other teams have to worry. He's that guy, I think. Yeah, yeah, and I remember writing things when he, and, and I'm sure you guys uh, wrote similar things or had similar mindsets. Just the idea of like not only uh, like not only will he hit home runs, but gosh, like from an exit velocity standpoint, is it possible he'll hit the uh, have have the fastest uh, exit velocity uh, in on the team this year in the National League, or and can he hit the farthest home run at, at Bush Stadium? I remember doing uh, some analysis on that, looking at some of the longest bombs at Bush and, and where, where some of his home runs could add up. He, I mean, yeah, I mean, in, in, in baseball, we, we, we talk about it, and I, I've written about it a lot, like the, 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 um, the aura of the home run, the idea that, um, you know, you play the game in these confines, and if a human being is good enough and strong enough and smart enough, sorry to go Stuart Smalley on you, but I, I think you see what I'm saying, like he can hit the baseball out of the confines, and it's and he's rewarded the ultimate reward, a run, for uh, for that, and uh, it, it's a pretty cool thing in our sport. You, you don't really have that in other sports, and uh, so we love the home run just so much, and it's it's our uh, I don't know, it's like I'm not doing a good job of explaining it, or not good enough as I wanted to, but like we we definitely look at the home run almost like this like we're wide-eyed nine-year-olds always. And uh, now yeah. the Cardinals have a guy who's going to hit 30-plus of them. All right. Uh, real quick, I, I'm kind of keeping track of the time. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you have dinner coming I'm, and all that. I'm good, Do you have though. time for it? No, no, but I'm good. You, you good? I'm good. Okay. No, don't, yeah, don't hesitate to ask anything. Yeah, yeah. All right. If we could uh, – can we jump back to the Cardinal talk in a minute? Um, I wanted to make sure I got this in before the, the this chat was over. Um, I was uh, – you, you kind of think of reasons to invite somebody on the show, obviously your personality and stuff like that. But I was I was happy to find out you, that you have a book coming out. Um, yeah. It's called the the Big Fifty St. Louis Cardinals: The Men and Moments That Made the St. Louis Cardinals. And I see that it's forwarded by Tony Larusa. Um, can you give us some thoughts about about your book? Yes, yes, and uh, honestly, it was it was one of the coolest experiences of my life uh, to to write basically a love letter to St. Louis and, and to my hometown team and to capture uh, the stories and the excitement that is Cardinal baseball. Um, you know, I, I grew up reading a lot of Cardinals books and, and I wanted to write a book I hadn't read already. And uh, so I, so when I started writing the big 50, which is basically 50 different chapters about the Cardinals, I, I didn't want to just, 
you know, regurgitate anything. Um, so I tried to find unique ways to tell stories. And, you know, I went and got a beer with Stan Musial's grandson. And, and for the Stan Musial chapter, he talked about uh, the different restaurants they would go to in St. Louis and how Stan loved to, uh, to interact with the, with, with the fans and interact with uh, family members and, Great stories, like gosh, like like he uh, like this guy Brian Swayze is his, his grandson. He would go to meals with him seven days a week, and uh, he said to Stan, he's like Stan, I, uh, to be honest, like this is fun. You're my man, but you're literally the man. Uh, but I, I'd like to go on some dates. I'm desperately single here, and Stan's like, bring him along. And uh, <laughs> so, so this guy would bring these girls on on dates to dinner with with his grandpa and, and they'd love it and he'd whip out the uh whip out the uh, harmonica of course and uh has the fun so just sto- stories like that were just so cool to hear and and i interviewed just so many different people from jenna fisher of the office and john ham and christopher jackson the original uh George Washington and Hamilton, uh, who's from the area. I interviewed a, a circus expert about Ozzy Smith's acrobatic body and just had a lot of fun uh, telling stories and getting to know some people. Of course, got to know Tony Larusa really well uh, during the uh, during the process, and what a pleasure that was. So, uh, yeah, I poured my heart into this, into this book, and uh, I did it for the fans, and uh, hopefully uh, you can pick it up. It's available online right now, The Big 50 Cardinals, Amazon.com. Yeah, I see that it will be released on May 1st, but you, it is available for pre-order now. And I yeah, think I'm going I'll to order you. myself one. Thank you. Yeah, breaking news, the uh, the books are arriving early. Uh, I heard from uh, Grandma. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Ben, I, I, I want to get into a couple more questions about the St. Louis Cardinals. And I yeah. think – there is one that is definitely on a lot of people's minds now, and that is what are the keys to success for this team in 2018? Um, in my personal opinion, the, the number one, and, and it's going to be a, the number one for a lot of teams, it's, it's starting pitching. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are not very high on the Cardinals' rotation, seemingly because of inexperience, because of – injury issues or consistency problems. What about the Cardinals' rotation makes you believe in them and that they will have success this year? Well, I'll tell you. I mean, I, I love the way Luke Weaver has looked, and he, and he looked good tonight in his, in his short outing against Toronto in Montreal. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a guy who could – who could definitely be a uh, cardinal for many years and an important cardinal. Uh, I, I love I love his stuff and, and last year, um, you know, and the reality is that last year he, he beat up on a, a lot of bad teams if you look at his numbers. But gosh, you, you watch him in spring and he's got the stuff. He's got the mindset, this mentality. You know, he kind of looks like a like a like a toothpick out there. Uh, but but you talk to his teammates, notably Jack Flaherty. Uh, who was a roommate of him of his, and Jack's like this guy is so mean on the mound. He is so energetic and so hungry and and a bulldog almost. And you're like that guy's a bulldog. And he's like yeah yeah definitely. So uh, I'm fired up to see you know whatever the ending amount the ending total will be whether it's 140, 160, 180, 200, whatever we see from Luke Weaver. I'm excited about that. Yeah, this Miles Nicholas thing. I mean it is. 
it is a gamble, but I, I feel a little better knowing that the Chicago Cubs were interested in him as well. Um, <laughs> Yankees too. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know he 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 he's got a nice repertoire and uh, even works on that split change a little bit, which is fun. And yeah, I, I mean, so really though, it's funny because when we we have these debates about the Cardinals starting pitching, uh, we always or most people seem to just kind of assume that Carlos will be awesome. And and I, I'm guilty of it, and, and he's earned the right for us to think that. But then you look at how weird the spring was, and, you know, I don't know. Like, like I think he's got a – I mean, he's, he's the ace of the staff, and you hand him the baseball the first day and every fifth day. But um, I, I really, really hope that, that this spring wasn't a harbinger for anything uh, except just a way for him to – figure some things out, and once he gets out there in New York, that he's the guy we saw in the All-Star game twice. Yeah, and I, and I, for me, the, the thing with Miklas is, obviously, he hasn't pitched in the major leagues since 2015. He's never pitched more than even 60 innings, and, and that is the big scare right there. As you say, the big gamble in all of this if he is not, you know, if he's not doing well by, let's say, May, you know, is, is the de facto just straight to, to Jack Flaherty? Or is Alex Reyes going to be somebody that is going to fill in in the starting rotation? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is I, I think they would have to – I don't think they're ready to, to, to hand Reyes the baseball on May 1st and say pitch seven innings. Uh, I think it'll it'll be a, a – somewhat of, of a process. I know he'll be working towards that point uh, in different capacities with his bullpen sessions and what have you. But, yeah, I mean, you could look at the St. Louis Cardinals as they have seven starting pitchers on the roster. Um, if you count Wainwright also, of course. So it's right. like, all right, um, yeah, if, 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 if Miles stinks, uh, yeah, you, you still have – to another choice or, or two other choices if everybody's healthy. And this is a good problem to have. This is, again, why they they work so hard in developing their guys. And this is, again, why they didn't go out and spend stupid money on, on you know, insert 32-year-old pitcher here. <laughs> Jake Arrieta. <laughs> or, yeah, or whomever, or Alex yeah. Cobb, or whomever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and – and I think the reason for success for the Cardinals is exactly what you're mentioning right there. It's the depth. I, I think the depth of the St. Louis Cardinals is something that no other team in the National League and maybe in baseball can match at this point. So if somebody does go down, they do have somebody to step up. And I personally think that is their biggest strength going into this season. Now, I, I want to switch to the bullpen, though. What what is mm-hmm. the what is it about the bullpen that makes you say okay this is where this is where it all has to stop we need consistency and how do we get there Yeah I mean there 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 are some players in the bullpen who are stellar and, and if you if you look at Tyler Lyon and if you look at that that sinker ball that Matt Bowman throws uh, you know when he comes into to, to save the day when they got two guys on and one out in a key key seventh inning. I mean, those are stud big league players uh, who, who Cardinals fans should should be happy to hang their hat on. You would have to think that Brett Cecil 
will be better than next year. And we think we're getting so bad with him that Cecil Whitaker's pizza was thinking about just dropping their name and calling themselves Whitakers. Um, <laughs> and and um, somewhere at some funny bone comedy club in St. Louis, they did a rim shot right there. Um, I, I, I'm excited about Dominic Leone. Uh, I guess we're calling him Dom Leone now. I, I've seen it in some of the recent reports. Um, I, I really like his cutter, and I think he's going to right. be an effective reliever. So, I mean, yeah, it's easy. And then Sam Tuivalala, even if just you go by what Yadier Molina said early in camp when, when he said unprovoked that Sam was, was a guy that could be a closer for the Cardinals, a guy uh, that could be nasty for the Cardinals, it was you know, that that's cool to hear. And I remember talking to Sam about that, and, and he was like, yeah, what a, what a special thing. Uh, what, what a boost of confidence to have if Yachty himself is saying that. So, I mean, yeah, they, they didn't get a superstar from the free agent market or a, a big name, and I guess Gregerson's as close as you get. But if you look at each guy, there's there's confidence, but it's only March. You know, let's, let's talk in June. Let's talk in August. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and and one thing that I also want to talk about, we were talking about Marcelo Zuna and how he has made his presence felt in the lineup. What what do you think of Matt Carpenter hitting three in the three hole? I'm of yeah. the mindset that his, his on-base percentage is so key to this offense that it makes complete sense for him to be hitting in front of Ozuna. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you, uh, smart people could make a case that he should be batting first, uh, Matt Carpenter. Um, Correct. But I, I think, but, I mean, the reality is, like, can you imagine telling Dexter Fowler, like, all right, we brought you in to lead off and play center field, and one year into this you're playing right field and batting third. <laughs> or whatever. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I, I think they still have faith in Dexter. Clearly they have faith in Dexter as a leadoff hitter with, with Matt Carpenter. I mean, he's walking in baseball is clearly a skill, clearly um, a talent and, and, and he's shown it at a high level, but if he's going to be in that third spot, if he's going to be uh, in an important spot in the lineup, um, yeah, the reality is that he's going to have to hit more doubles and he's going to have to be the Matt Carpenter that we, we saw playing an all-star game uh, with, with that, with that OPS and, uh, can he stay healthy? There, there, there's questions with him. But, uh, yeah, I, I, and I definitely like him in, in front of Ozuna. I mean, yeah, again, it, on paper, the, the boys look good, right? On, on paper. this, But, again, mm-hmm. heading into last season on paper, they, they look good. And uh, if it wasn't for Memphis last year, saving the day, if it wasn't for Paul DeYoung showing up at a, I don't say nowhere, but showing up and, and suddenly turning into, you know, Troy Tulowitzki, uh, that team might not even have been in the playoff talks in, in September. So Memphis saved them last year. I don't think they want to get to a point where these new – like, clearly they're going to look to Harrison Bader for help this year. They're going to look to some of the Memphis guys for help. But I don't think that they're going to need or rely on a crazy number of guys to, to save the day. They, they want their big-name guys to be just that. I have a question yeah. about Matt hey, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead with Matt Carpenter's question. 
Uh, Matt Carpenter, how concerned are you about his shoulder, and w- have you gotten any kind of answers, really? Um, is it rotator cuff? Is it something else? Yeah, I, I have not heard that it's crazy, like, serious, like, surgery or anything like that. And the good thing is it, it happened early in, in spring, and he was dealing with the with the injuries early in the spring, and he's looking regular, if you will, now. So, I um, – you know, I don't love Matt Carpenter, the defensive player, but I adore Matt Carpenter, the grinder in the batter's box. And I think it was right. Doc that said earlier in the podcast that, like, you'll sacrifice, you know, a missed play or, or a, a poor fielding attempt uh, that, that if it means also getting on base four times in, in a key game. Hey, I'd like to take you back just, just for a second. You You talked about – on paper, this team looks great, and on paper, this team looked great last season. You also talked a lot about managing the game. And, listen, I am an unapologetic lack of Matheny fan sitting here today. Uh, you, you recently wrote a piece about Matheny, but speaking of all of those things, and, and, and by the way, the, the setup of talking about on paper is I, I think Matheny does a fantastic job strategizing on paper, but it does a, a poor job in game management. Now, that being said, the the coaching staff is different this year. The supporting staff is different. Uh, different in also a throwback to the way it was before. In the times that you've been around the clubhouse, how have things, do things feel different this year? Because they look different. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. And, and, uh, I, being down there in spring, and, and we've written and tweeted about it a little bit, just like just the the camaraderie with the coaches. It's it's not something you necessarily hear about in sports very often uh, in a player driven business, but th- they are really really enjoying each other's company, and that's they, honestly and, and authentically, and that is good to see uh, early on in this process. Um, but again, we have not played a game yet, and you know for all the uh, for all the changes that Mike Maddox has made, um, you know, to, to the way things went in camp, to some of the, the newfangled ideas he had, putting guys on the backfield to the pitching in, in the real games and things like that, um, all that is, is fun and fine and something to write about uh, in the, the friendly confines of Jupiter, Florida. But when we're at Wrigley Field uh, in April and, and there's a, a decision to be made and, and he thinks one thing and Matheny thinks the other. And Matheny, of course, has the final say. And Matheny's guy blows it out there. I mean, I mean, who knows I mean, when, what, what will happen uh, in that regard. So, yeah, the, uh, they brought in Mike Maddox and Eversgert, uh, smart pitching thinkers, uh, to elevate, elevate the young players and elevate the whole staff. And I'm confident about it. Mosellock seems confident about it. But, again, until we get to Wrigley, uh, we, we can't be certain. And, and, and speaking of, of our friendly northern rivals, I, I want to get your thoughts on the NL Central this year. Uh, and, and these will be the last couple questions we've got, we've got for you, so we do appreciate your time. So oh. let's talk a little bit about the NL Central and, and how you, th- you see things shaking out. A lot of the preseason rankings have the Cardinals uh, finishing second or third. Do you think the Cardinals have a legitimate chance to be the NL Central champions, as Alex Rodriguez picked today for Fox Sports? Oh. 
Oh my gosh! All right, uh, that boy A Rod. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I I I I think this is a, a second place team. I think this is a better team than last season. So that's good. Uh, which means I think they, they'll probably make a wild card push, a legitimate one at that. Uh, but the Chicago Cubs, my goodness, uh, they they look really really good. And and now they got Cap leading off, and and he he is supposed to be a. Uh, multi-dimensional player and of course he hit a lot of home runs uh de esque if you will last season in a short amount of time uh, and they, they got you darvis to take over for arietta uh, they got a whole season of quintana um and they got brandon morrow the aforementioned pitcher that we uh were breaking down when we're talking bullpen i mean this, this cubs team there is a lot to like uh if you are indeed a, a chicago cubs fan and and uh the reality is the St. Louis Cardinals have to have a lot of things go right for them just to even stay in the mix. And uh, here's hoping that they uh, that they that they do for the fans because these fans have put up with a lot of stuff the last two years. And like I wrote in that Matheny column that you mentioned, if the Cardinals miss the playoffs for the third season in a row, I mean, in a wild card world, that's unacceptable. And and you know you can't. You can't fire the players. You can't fire Ozuna or what have you. So you, you fire, you make a change where where you can, and that would have to be uh, at the manager's job. I mean, I'll tell you, like, I look at it like this. Like, I mean, if the Cardinals win, in if they they finish like with like eighty five wins or something again, I mean, at what point are the Cardinals not? And I've written this. At what point are the Cardinals not the Seattle Mariners? Just like every year coming in. You know, they're not rebuilding, but they're clearly not making the playoffs and, and in the 90-win range. You know, they've got some good pieces, but three years in a row of this, uh, at that point, you're just a you're, – you're the Mariners. You're like this, like, hovering team uh, that, that's kind of stuck. Sure. And, let, and me just, think, let me just say uh, – yeah. can I just put this in there? Because I want to say thank you, Benjamin Hockman, for writing a piece in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch that's very Bernie Miklas-esque and that calls for Matheny's head on a platter because um, <laughs> I, I know that our readers at Redbird Rants are very tired of me writing about it, but I will not stop until <laughs> we see changes and I'm holding my pitchforks and my torches. Back, back to Tito. Well, thank uh, you. You know, real quick, uh, before Tito, just, I will say, like, I mean, I'm trying to give Matheny the benefit of the doubt. In the piece, I talked a lot about how he continues to grow as a thinker, and now they've, they've, they've uh, surrounded him with Maddox and Willie McGee and Jose Okendale. Maybe they've, they've kind of uh, looked at some of his deficiencies and, and then, you know, plugged the holes, if you will. And here's hoping for everybody's sake, maybe, maybe not yours, but most people's sake, <laughs> that Matheny – gets it right, gets it done, and, and, and we're talking about uh, the, the playoff Cardinals and everything's fun, but the reality is a lot has to go right for that to happen. Right, and, and, and I think as time has gone for me, I have grown to appreciate Matheny slightly more than I initially thought I would <laughs> just yeah. because at the end of the day, it's the players that have to perform. Matheny yeah. can push all the right buttons, and, and, and case in point is Brett Cecil from last year. You sign him to a nice mm-hmm. contract, you put him out there, and he just absolutely falls flat on his face. Yeah. Is that Matheny's fault? No. You can't blame you can't blame the manager for a pitcher not 
you know, pitching to his ability. And, and so yeah. that's where I, I find some common ground with Matheny in saying, you know, I, I can overlook some of your mistakes, but at some point, and, and much to your point in your article, is when is enough enough? Is, yeah. is it is it 85 wins? Is it missing the playoffs the third year in a row when this city and these fans are not used to that? And I think that's obviously the biggest transition that everybody is going through is is not realizing we, we aren't at that level. But even you said it yourself, you know, the Cubs are as good as they are, but that is practically minus a couple pieces and adding, you know, you Darvish. But that is the same team that won in 2016. Mm-hmm. And the Cardinals are not even close to them. I mean, yeah. they, they might be an inch closer, but they're not that close. And, yeah. and that's and I think that's the whole crux of this entire off season for all of us, um, even at Redbird Rants and other sites, is that yeah. the Cubs are that much further ahead of the Cardinals, even with the addition of Ozuna. Yeah, I'll tell you real quick. I mean, that's what I put in my column today in the St. Louis Post Dispatch. The idea of like, follow me on this. Entering 2015, the Cardinals were the perennial champs. The Cardinals were the Apollo Creed. And the Cubs were the underdog Rocky. Well, now, four seasons into this, like in the movie Rocky Four, we've got the Cubs as this Ivan Drago indestructible team, this, this machine, and it's the Cardinals who are now uh, like Rocky in that movie, trying desperately uh, to, 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 to come up with something to, to knock down the machine. And, uh, I mean, hopefully for our... For our friends in uh, Festus and Fenton and Clayton and Ledoux and all over Cardinal Country, uh, the uh, they will uh, figure out a way to, to knock down Drago, to break Drago. Okay, so I've got one final question for you, and then we're going to let you go so you can enjoy your dinner, and then we'll finish up here. What do you put on your Emo's pizza? <laughs> Pe- pepperoni. Pepperoni. Yeah, okay. Uh, for, for me, I know it's I knew I liked standard. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I and I, I adore Emos. I adore Provel. When they were looking at possibly getting a uh, soccer team, MLS team to St. Louis, I was uh, all in favor of calling it a FC Provel. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we, we never had that chance. Yes, I'm a pepperoni bacon kind of guy, so I'm I'm with you 100 percent right. of the way. I like that. Very cool. Uh, awesome. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to get to talk to you and, and kind of virtually meet you. And, um, uh, guys, if you guys have anything to say, go ahead right now, and then uh, we'll we'll catch Ben maybe on the next time if we can. And, and yeah. we'll have some final thoughts, and we'll we'll go from there. Just real quick, one more time, I just want to – want to promote his book one last time it's amazon.com the big 50 st louis cardinals the men and moments that made st louis the st louis cardinals it's forwarded by tony la Russa, and you can get it may 1st thank you so much crash i appreciate I, that oh go ahead please. hey thanks for joining us we really appreciate it thank you for your time and hopefully we could have you back sometime and call you for another show yeah yeah and i, I love your guys passion and i'm excited to listen to more to, to, to the, at the next podcast that uh, you do. So good luck with everything. Uh, keep having fun, uh, looking at advanced stats and watching the ball games and just enjoying mm-hmm. 162 uh, adventures. 
All right. Thanks, Ben. Absolutely. We appreciate yeah. it, sir. Thank you. See ya. See ya. Okay, so that was Ben Hockman of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and we want to give him a huge thank you. We are going to take a very quick break, and we've got some final thoughts. Don't go anywhere. Okay, so we're back with the official Redbird Rants podcast, Extra Innings Edition, first episode for this podcast. Guys, what an incredible incredible last hour. I mean, I just, I honestly can't say it, enough. It flew about by. That. Oh, yeah. It, it went by so fast. It was, yeah, a, I mean, it, it was really enjoyable. I enjoyed him being on with us. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I, well, let's to, also and, say, and I let, honestly, yeah, go ahead. Let's also, let's also say to you, Crash, thank you for yeah. coming up with such a great idea of, doing an extra innings podcast and reaching out to members of the St. Louis media and those people who are as passionate about St. Louis Cardinals baseball as we are, and they actually get to get paid for it. Uh, and what right. a great idea. So thank, thank you so much for bringing that to us. No, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to, to try something a little different and, and be included with your show. I, I sincerely appreciate it. No, no problem. So, guys, let's do a, a quick little recap. And, and did anything stand out to you guys about what what uh, Ben was saying regarding the St. Louis Cardinals? Well, it stood out to me immediately that he's my age, and that makes me feel not so old amongst <laughs> all of you young guns. So I, I certainly appreciate that. But I, I have um, to right say there with the you, thing Doc. that we're, – We're the same age. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Oh, that feels so much better. Uh, <laughs> You know, all I'm the a, joking I'm a aside, ball, baby. oh, Whitey Ball, all day long. You know, what yep. feels so good about hearing him talk about our team is the sense that something is different. And I love that that kept resonating, you know, that the approach is different, that the clubhouse feels different, that having Ozuna is different that having Matt Carpenter even have to move over to third, maybe that's good or bad, but that is something different so that somebody like Jose Martinez can come up and and be something different. And I I think that this team has got to grab on to that something different to make 2018 an outstanding season. And it just, there was a lot of, uh, maybe I hope you guys picked up on it too. There's a lot of positive vibes flowing out of him. About this team, yeah, and I I think that's huge for this team. I I think past couple of years, obviously missing the playoffs, maybe a little tension going on, not everything going their way. It didn't come as easy as it used to come, and maybe maybe they just need to loosen up a little bit. Maybe maybe that time is now finally. Yeah, and and I think one of the biggest things I took away from his positive attitude was is that he seems pretty high on the St. Louis pitching staff, which I think is a huge boost. And I know that's something we as a group have discussed in the recent days because uh, MLB.com writer uh, Anthony Castrovin said that the Cardinals weren't even in the top ten rotation. And so uh, to hear him speak highly of the rotation, to to feel confident in that rotation – uh, it, it just makes me think that, yes, the Cardinals do have some flaws, 
but those flaws can be overcome with good pitching performances by our back three. And I truly think that the Cardinals, by the end of this year, will be a top ten pitching staff, um, even if it is in the bottom half of that top ten. But I, I think that they're there now, um, and I was surprised to see them not in front of the Blue Jays, but uh, that's what I took away from that. Yeah, I'm very excited for Weaver, Flaherty, and eventually Reyes. The, it's, mm-hmm. There's definitely potential and a lot of excitement coming on the on the way. <clears throat> Absolutely. Okay, guys. Well, I, I think we're going to call it quits right there. Thank you so much to Dr. Miles and Crash for being on the uh, official Redford Brands podcast, Extra Innings Edition. This is episode one. Catch us next Tuesday for episode two. We hope to have our next special guest, but we won't tell you who it is. You'll just have to find out for yourself. So thank you, and go Cards.